Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Athletics Tuesday National College Football Pod, hosted by yours truly, Nicole Auerbach. And I'm thrilled to be joined by a friend and colleague from Stadium, Michael Felder, to break down all the biggest storylines in college sports in an hour or less. And Felder, it continues to be very, very busy. Very. Yeah, I mean, it, it feels like Texas is kind of the, the nexus of the universe at this point, This right? is exactly what they want. They love to be the <laughs> nexus of the universe. And I, we're going to get to that, but I mean, I mean, the state, not even just the like the school. I mean, like the state, obviously, we're, we're going to talk about the Texas State Senate. But I mean, do you want to kick it off with Quinn Ewers, who's. I, I assume at this because today, what is today, the third and they start, they start camp. He's at Ohio State. Yeah, so the backstory here is really interesting, and I know Andy and Ari got into this a little bit in yesterday's pod, but basically. This is happening because the state of Texas will not let high school athletes monetize their name, image, and likeness. So when the NCAA changed the rules, they changed the rules for college athletes. But the question of, okay, what does that mean for like your state high school association, whatever was up to either state law. Some of them specifically said like, you can't do this. And then other States specifically said that we're open to it. I think California is one that's like specifically allowing it. Um, and Texas doesn't. So you have basically the highest ranked quarterback recruit ever who has now at last check, I checked this morning, like 90,000 Instagram followers, 20 something thousand Twitter mm-hmm. followers. So lots of opportunities to make money here. And, and he doesn't want to pass it up. And he feels like he has to go. It's funny. Cause it's like, basically we've seen guys do this, from college to go pro, right? Where they're like, I can't pass up the opportunity to make money. And so he basically said that, and he's going to go to reclassify, have one more class to go and reclassify and go to Ohio State. So this is the first time we are seeing something like this. And it's basically because the state of Texas forced him to do it. Yeah. And then this is, I don't know, a couple of different levels, right? So as a pro player person, listen, get that bread, go, go after it, get, get what you can get. I love that. Um, but Looking at it from a Texas standpoint, this is the state of Texas. Texas taking it's they're taking an L in terms of the Texas high school football industrial complex, uh, losing out on one of the best players that they've ever had. And so you lose that for this whole season. You don't get that to sell that to, to, to market that. And Texas high school football will, will survive. It's such a thriving industry. 
But losing out on that guy is one of those things that you have, you don't ever want to have happen because they put those games on television and they market those games and they sell those games and they sell those matchups and they sell those rivalries. So that's going to be interesting. The other part is you're losing out on him as a player because he's going to Ohio State. He's not going to Texas. not going to AM. He's not going to TCU. He's not even going to Oklahoma. He's going to Ohio State. So that's another big loss. And so it's a loss on two levels. And it was a loss they weren't going to feel until a year from now because they would still get the benefit from him playing his senior season. Oh, but guess what? He's not playing that senior season. Now, now he's going to get learned and be ready to go. And I will say this. I also love the fact that he's getting a jump start on his NFL career, too. I think that's really cool. So he's walking into an Ohio State quarterback room that will have four scholarship quarterbacks, all at four five-star guys, highly touted guys, and none of them have thrown a pass in college football. How much of a wrench does this throw for Ohio State in a situation where they're thinking he's coming next year and they can work out some of this, you know, who's going to start, who's getting the snaps before he gets there? Um, I don't think it throws a wrench in it. I mean, we've seen this happen before, like from a player standpoint. We've seen Jake Bentley do it. We saw JT Daniel. So uh, Tony Grimes, not playing quarterback, but playing corner for UNC. We've seen them do it. I think the interesting part is going to be, I guess, how serious he takes his opportunity to play. I think that's going to be the question. Is he, I mean, this is a really late reclassification. And so if he comes in and is like, oh, no, I'm competing. Let's see what that looks like. He's got a remarkable ability to change his arm slot and and punch the ball, the ball in. Ball really, it, it does jump out of his hands. Um, reminds honestly, reminds me a little bit. And this is not because it's a Texas thing, but a little bit of Vince Young, where it doesn't look like he's bringing hard velocity when he comes down with that arm. But then you see the ball kind of just hop, hop out. Um, Lamar Jackson had had that same thing too, where. The ball just came out, and it comes out quick, and it's hot, and it's going. So uh, Devin Leary, same thing, too, and uh, who's at NC State now. So he's got a little bit of that. And so we'll see. Like, if he comes in and he's like, I'm here to compete for the starting job, I want I want to see what that like. Because obviously they have C.J. Stroud. they got a couple other guys. Everyone there is a blue chipper. So let's see what happens. And I think this gets into now the Ohio State of it all, the that part of the equation how you manage all these talent, talent, talents and all this personality, because that's going to be on you, Ryan Day, to make sure that these guys are happy and not just instantly ready to jump into the portal. Right. And, and I think especially, you know, when Quinn yours comes to you and says, hey, uh, you know, this is something I'm considering. You absolutely, first of all, have to say yes, because you're Ohio State. And this is a when people say can't miss prospect like this is a can't miss prospect. So you're going to have to figure it out. You might lose other guys, but yeah, I mean, this is, this is one of the biggest challenges he's faced yet as a head coach and it's the quarterback position and it's the offense and the future of, of the offense at Ohio state. So it's a big deal. And, and I'm super curious too, to see, you know, how long it takes for him to get eligible. He said in his, uh, his Twitter post that he needs to finish one class. So he's pretty close to, being able to at least graduate high school and finish reclassification and, and all of that. 
Um, but they'll need to figure that out as well about when he could be eligible at high state, which doesn't impact NIL, by the way, like he could be redshirting and still do that. So maybe that's the goal um, and just start training and start learning the playbook, whatever that might be. But you're right. If he decides like, Hey, I'm going to compete for the job. Like as soon as I'm eligible, I'm in the mix. Then it gets really, really interesting because that is not a lot of time within the program by the time the season starts. Yeah, that's the, that's the difference. And that's the thing I was getting at. This isn't a, this isn't a winner winner enrolling for spring semester, right? He's enrolling for, he's not even enrolling for summer school. He's enrolling post summer school after summer school for camp. So the first class, like he's, it's going to be a big transition being on your own alone at Ohio, and obviously they have a great support system and every D1 school usually has a pretty, has a great support system. Somebody's going to walk him to class, I'm sure. And that's just the reality of it all. And they'll show him everything he needs, but he, he have the buffer zone of not having games. So it's going to be tough to get that quick up to speed to get up to speed that quickly, excuse me. But he, listen, it's, it's also going to be about honing your skills. Like he's got some amazing raw talent. He's got, some good ability in terms of, of diagnosis, but it's going to be, going to be about honing your skills, which maybe he's running scout team. Great. Fantastic. You're running scout team against an elite defense, and that's going to help you sharpen your skills because you're going to have to figure it out. And I don't know if folks know this, but playing scout offense is one of the most terrifying things in the world. And, and, those coaches are going to work you because the defense has to get better. And it's going to be, that's a great, it's a great proving ground uh, in terms of what you can do and what you can't do and what works and what doesn't work and how big windows are. And the windows are even smaller on the scout field because the players know the plays. So it'll be interesting to see what that looks like for them. But for him, like if it's an opportunity to, 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 to run scout, to be in those quarterback, he'll still be in the quarterback meetings, meetings, he'll still be in his rooms, and then he'll go down and run scout and do all those things. That's fine. Or if he's on the main, on the offensive field and he's running, you know, getting a chance to run, you know, with the threes or with the twos or whatever, what have you, and he gets to run that part of it, that's going to be cool too. Or he gets to run a blitz period. You get a lot, to, there's a lot, there's a lot to learn. It's a lot of learning that's going to go on. Play or not, I, I don't expect that he's the guy that, you know, we see be the trigger man to open the season, but certainly getting those reps is going to be important. Okay, so here is a hypothetical. Well, not really hypothetical, just a, just a big picture question. Is there a certain level of success that he needs to achieve? And maybe this isn't making the field. Maybe this is X amount of dollars of endorsement deals. But like, is there something that needs to happen that would start a trend? Cause I think that's what immediately everyone's mind goes to. Okay. Is this just the first high school player to reclassify, you know, again, assuming that Texas and other States don't change their state laws regarding interscholastic sports <laughs> um, and to create so that their high school athletes can monetize, like what has to, what could happen here that I think would, would cause other people to do it? I, I assume it's a certain dollar figure, right? Like it's, it's, it's being able to cash in a year before you normally would have or five, six months before you normally would have. But I, I don't know if it immediately sparks a trend because he is such a unique prospect and they, like he is the highest rated 24 seven sports composite player ever, right? Like this isn't, this is not just a run of the mill guy. So I don't know if that immediately starts a trend. 
No, I don't think it starts a trend, but I do think that I like honestly, like when I look at it is money versus no money. So is there do I make money or have or not have money? So that's the first way I look at it. It's less a lot less of dollar figure amount. Like it has to be fifteen thousand dollars. It has to be forty five thousand dollars. It has to be ninety thousand dollars. It's a lot less that and a lot more. Or one way I'll make ten thousand dollars. The other way I'll make zero dollars. So I think that's an element to it. I also think that, that, and this is something not enough people understand. You have to be, and I want to put this relatively delicately, but you do have to be in the position to graduate early. Like I'm, I'm sure that I'm sure you were in a position to graduate early. You had all the, the, the bare minimum credits that you actually needed for graduation when you were a junior in high school. I was the same way. And you have to get, just get that last English credit because they want you to take four Englishes and you can't really do it or whatever it is. But you have to be in that position. I've talked to, I've dealt with, been around, like I've worked with in terms, worked in the realm of recruiting and all this stuff for a long, for a long time. And there are a lot of guys that aren't sure they're going to qualify. Like I passed, I went through clearinghouse as a junior. So I was cleared to play college football when I was still a junior in high school. Uh, obviously, with yours, I think it's the same thing. He was cleared to play. All he had to do was get this final English credit uh, because that, that's a trick requirement or a state requirement. Um, but there's a lot of guys. Like I, I've talked to a guy that um, he was, I think, really committed to Notre Dame, and then Stanford came calling, and he didn't have what he needed to go to Stanford. And you can't flip that switch at the last second. So I think that's another element that does have to be considered because it's, it's not a switch you can flip. To be able to graduate early, go to school early, even for these early enrollees that are mid-year, like that are spring semester enrollees, they have to have all their ducks in a row. The same thing, like to do what, what yours is, yours is doing, we have already compiled an academic resume that allows you to exit and still get through clearinghouse and still hit your state requirements because a part of clearinghouse is a high school diploma. And so to get that, you have to fulfill those requirements. So I want to put that on the table table too, because I don't have people realize that part so hats off to the guy hats off to yours for not just on the field but off the field like just fulfilling all getting all your checking all your boxes that's important so I also think that from a trend standpoint that's going to be a thing that does make it difficult I also think from a trend standpoint and I know that Dabo hit on this last week numbers are going to be weird because it's not just the player wanting to do it, and it's not just the school wanting them to do it. It's just, it's the school being able to allow them to do it with their scholarship numbers. And we talked about that crunch that's coming. It's going to be very interesting. So, yes, if it's one of the best players in the history of, like, Texas high school football, if it's Kyler Murray or if it's obviously Quinn Ewers or if it's Leonard Fournette, you know, in, in, out of Louisiana or it's Dylan Moses, it's one of these guys. You're going to try to find a way, but if you're not that guy, they're probably going to tell you to wait. That's just the reality of it, right? Yeah, and, and I think you're absolutely right about being able to reclassify, especially when it is a super last-minute decision. Like, we see this in basketball sometimes, but this is really right on the edge of the season for football. We don't, we don't see this very often, and, um, you know, you need to start planning that, like, a year out. A year out? You need to start planning when you get to high, to high school. You just, but that's just a part of being in high school is you have to have, 
it's the same as if you, if you want to go to an Ivy League school, just not talking football, just in general. If you want to go to an Ivy League school, that's not a decision you make your junior year of high school. That's a decision that you have to make very early on, which means you have to take your, take your we had pre-AP and pre-IB classes. And then you have to take those and then you get into your, I, your IBs or your APs and you take those, you take those exams, you get all that. Like you put together, you compile this academic resume to get to go to an Ivy League school. This is the same thing. Ohio State is the Ivy League of football. Alabama is the Ivy League of, League of football. That's the Ivy League of football. And everybody prepares to go there based on, I'm going to try to carry this analogy. Let's see if I can do it. Everybody prepares to go to the Ivy League of football from a, a football point. And this is not to minimize school, but school is your extracurriculars, right? That's your world building. That's what builds the profile for you to be um, advantageous for them to take. That's how you build like a kid with a 3.7 unweighted GPA who, who also is a four star. That kid's more attractive to an Ohio State than a kid who's a partial qualifier. And that part, that's, what, that's the same thing with the Ivy Leagues, where if we've got two kids that, ha, that are valedictorians and they both have 4.0s, this, this kid was the captain football team, or this kid was in charge of debate club, and that's better than the kid who only did school. And this is the same thing. You have to prepare. It takes your entire college, it takes, excuse me, your high school career prepares for your college career. And, you have to be set up to be able to do those things. So I think the big for me is going to be how you set yourself up. I think it's, I'm going to be very curious to see, and I don't think it happens, but the kids that go to Stanford are the kids that are the most set up to reclassify. Mm. They're the most set up. Kids that go to Northwestern are the most set up to reclassify. The kids that go to, to, to Notre Dame or, uh, or Vanderbilt, they're the most set up to reclassify. Because they're taking AP classes, kids that go to the Naval Academy, kids that go to, they're taking AP classes, they're out in front, they're doing above and beyond of what their district, district or their requirements are. And I don't think that's going to be the case, especially when you, depending, depending upon district, depending upon state. I think, I think it'd be a lot harder for Quinn Ewers to do this if he's lived in Mississippi. And I think that's an interesting element to it all. And I don't think that we see that much reclassification because again, it, again, it is a whole thing. But I do think that we've got to take some of these other these other parts, these other moving pieces into consideration because the reality of it all is, is what he's doing is not just I made this decision this summer. What he's doing is between his parents and him, he's already done all the work. His hay is in the barn with the exception of an English credit that you have to get because, again, most high schools want you to have four years of English. And so – his hay's already in the barn, and that's a – I mean, I think, again, that's a tip of the cap to being able to get that stuff done. Yeah, absolutely. And, again, the, the state of Texas put him in this situation because yes. he could have had all of that taken care of, been ready to graduate, mentally ready to do it, and just gotten to do an endorsement or two while having a great senior season, great senior year in high school, and the state wouldn't let him do that. Let's stay in the state of Texas for – uh, another segment here because certainly there's still a lot of fallout to Texas and Oklahoma moving, jumping to the SEC. And in the very Texas development, the state Senate select committee held a hearing called the future of college sports in Texas 
already. It was three days after Texas and Oklahoma like officially announced that they're going to SEC. Um, you know, again, the effective date everyone's giving right now is 2025. And they got, they had Big 12 Commissioner Bob Bullsby at this hearing. They had Texas president, all of these different people directly involved in this circumstance that blindsided the entire conference and commissioner talking about it at a state Senate hearing that alternatively, like we got some information and then we also had some amazing one-liners and jabs because a lot of people hate the Longhorns in that state. So let me give you a couple of the highlights first. Um, Basically, Texas's president said that, um, you know, he had first had a preliminary conversation with Oklahoma at some point after taking over uh, about their futures. He said that he reached out to the SEC sometime in the spring. This is going to matter potentially for lawsuits and that it came down to the future of college sports, where the money was going, what that meant for control over the future and all these different things. I did think through, can the big 12 get to the sec like future Hartzell said, and in my estimation, it was a low probability event. So a lot of shots at the rest of the big 12 and the future that it was prepared to have. We also had some incredible one-liners from state Senator uh, Lois Colkhurst asked Hartzell, the president of Texas, what Texas athletic budget is. He says it's over 200 million. It's probably 225 million in that range. After establishing that it puts Texas first in the country in that category, Colker said, and that's without a winning football team of late. He said, we've been winning, just not like we'd like to win. And she deadpanned three and seven against the Horn Frogs and other committee members giggled. Maybe your fan base would rather lose to Alabama than TCU. Cold world. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, they like, they're frustrated. They're angry. Um, but I also think that this is one of those things like, um, when you're, when you're back in the corner, right. You gotta, you gotta lash out. There is no, you can't run from it. The problem's already presented itself. So I think the only thing that they can do is lash out. And then, I mean, we saw the, it's not Texas, but we saw the Kansas, like, Hey, look, look, we're getting a new terminal at our airport. We're attractive. And so it's one of those things, things where it's, listen, it's a brave new world, right? Like there, there's some legitimate terror, especially I think TCU is an interesting party because TCU, they work so hard in Conference USA to get to the Mountain West. And then they work so hard, hard to get invited to the Big 12. And then to see the Big 12 crumble underneath them, it's it, they're sitting there going like, what can we do? What can, what, what, what can we do? What can we possibly do? Because all of a sudden, we finally get leveled up. We finally get treated as equals. We finally get, you know, we finally get there, right? We finally, we finally get a seat at the table. And then you guys just what? You're going to pick up your trays and go sit at the other kid's table? It's crazy. They got it. I understand the frustration, right? Like, don't you get the frustration with it all? Oh, yeah. And again, a lot of it, like Bob Bullsby is out here at the state Senate saying he didn't know until the Does he have any friends? Leaked. Yes. Does, does he have any friends? Yes. He does? 
his friends did this to him. That's what I'm saying. So does he have any friends for real? Like, listen, I'll, I'll, I'll draw it back to like me, you, industry, like the whole deal, right? When a big move is happening, I know because my friends that work at that company are like, oh, by the way, I think we're about to go through a round of layoffs or um, I heard this through the grapevine, yada, yada, yada. Think they're making a play for this. Like you, you talk. Friends talk to each other. You talk. And nobody told this guy anything about anything. And I, I get it. People are going to be like, well, that's how business works. I'm like, no, man. If when, when Amazon was about to buy Whole Foods, they were, people knew. Why? Because they talk. Because they had inside industry stuff. Like, that's how it works. Like, it's like you're supposed to, like, like that little table talk, that little, hey, man, just a heads up or off the record, yada, yada, yada. Like, and there's nobody's yada, yada, yadaing him at all. Nope. <laughs> I will say, though, in that situation, there's like possibly 80 something million dollars at stake about essentially tampering, dealing with people before it's okay. And when it's breaking contracts. So there's some reason for it to be secretive. I still think even in a place where you're like, okay, this is a business. You don't have to go about it the way that you did and the cruel way that this came out. Another thing I I did want to mention that Bullsby did say, he basically confirmed some numbers that I think people have basically been estimating, but he said that Texas and Oklahoma account for about 50% of the value of the big 12's current rights agreement with its TV partners, 50%. So we've been saying like, obviously these are the anchors, obviously these are the biggest brands, but that means without them as you know, the eight remaining schools, that media rights still goes way down. It's still yeah, you're worth half as it's much. It's still double what the American just locked in for its schools, which is noteworthy. However, it's pretty drastic. It's pretty different. When you're talking about like what would incentivize someone to look around elsewhere, that would do it. Yeah, it's it's and obviously we're we I mean we referenced Kansas in their um, like social media post about how attractive the Kansas slash the, the Kansas City slash Lawrence market could what? be. I also would like to point out that airport is terrible. That was an important. I've never been. That was an important bullet point that they included there. I've never been. I don't see myself ever going, but I'll take your word for it. Um, in, in compared to like LaGuardia, the most famously hated airport, where is it? Oh, it's not even close. It it basically doesn't. So when you fly to Kansas City, you like can't go into the full terminal at any point. Like it's like sectioned off. And so it's very limited food options. And then you're kind of crammed in this like one hallway because of just the shape of the airport. It is terrible. Like an airport delay at that airport is worse than anywhere else in the country. So putting that they are renovating is actually very important as they put their, they blast their resume out to the world right now. There we go. Say, listen, that's, that's why we're here. <laughs> Our back delivery. She don't listen. Top notch reporter, including on airports. I love it. Also, so also, I, am, I would uh, say LaGuardia is improving. They redid the Delta Terminal. So yeah, that one's getting unfairly maligned these days. I feel the same way. And I said that and people <laughs> laughed at me. So at least at least I got you on my side for that. No, I, I, but I think that what we're seeing is, I mean, we're going to see West Virginia make a make a play, right? Try to like they're going to come to the ACC like, come on, please, man. Come on. 
Let us be back in there. We're going to get a good rivalry with Pitt going back again. We're going to get that rivalry with West Virginia going back again. Come on, let us back in. We played a couple of really good games against UNC in 2011. Come on, let's go. Oh, please let us in there. And we're going to see, like, it's going to be interesting because this whole level, and man, I did not want this to be a realignment discussion, but the whole reality of it is, is SMU and Houston, right? They're going to be talking, looking at the Big 12 like, hey, we're here. Like, they're going to be sending them in that UX, like, all day. Like, hey, what's up? Like, listen, I know, like, I know, listen, I know you got, I know you got dumped. I could be your rebound. What do you think about it? You think about it. So it's going to be all the dominoes are interesting. And then I think that those, the regional dominoes are, are probably more interesting to me than sort of the wider scale of whether it's, I don't know, Boise State or it's UCF or any of these other schools. I think those regional dominoes become the most just attractive. And then obviously we'll see what happens from a Pac-12 in Oklahoma State or TCU standpoint because those feel like the only two schools that are in the zone of, you know, poaching for the, with the for a reality standpoint. Are you allowed to send a U up text during the day? You said all day long. And I was like, is that within the rules of you up texts? I mean, I'm, I've been out of the game for a minute. So, but you know what? I think during the day, I I think you're saying you're probably during the nighttime is a you up text. Daytime is probably, listen, you can correct me if I'm wrong. You're the one that's living, living in the world, living in that world. Now. I, I think, I think in the daytime, you got to go like, like, what, what are you doing or how are you doing or what's up? That's probably true. That's probably true. I think right? it's a, a different or there's like a preamble text, you know, yeah. like, oh, saw this thing, thought of you, which you could definitely do Bingo. if you're Houston or whoever. But yeah, no, that's that's it. I think it's just a, it's a different category of a you up text. But yes, yeah. I think we we're going to see desperation from a lot of these places and the two that you've mentioned, West Virginia basically published its entire resume and was like, we're better as an academic school now, like CC, ACC. And then Kansas puts out its little flyer, which is probably what they send to recruits, if we're being honest. Includes the airport thing. Huge deal. Huge deal. But yeah. everyone's just like publishing the resumes. They are just saying like, we're ready. Please call us. The desperation is real. And I don't think that's going to go away anytime soon. So I'm glad we nailed yeah. down the you up thing because I, you know, I was, I was. Oh, 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 oh! You know what it is? You know what? You know, it's, you, I'm, it, I thought of this when you referenced West Virginia, and then obviously going back to the Kansas thing. This is the. Oh my bad! I meant to text someone Ooh. else. That's good. Yeah, it's like because when you said CCACC, I was like, oh, that's like when you're. That's like you're, you're talking like, about how much you love the ACC, and you accidentally text the Big Twelve. Oh, oh, that's my bad. That's my bad. I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to say that to you. What are you doing? Yes, the actual that is yeah. actually the worst feeling in the entire world. <laughs> the actual worst. Uh, but yeah, we're gonna we're gonna see. This is great. This all of this can be explained by like dating your twenties text messaging behavior. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, essentially, you know, the Big Twelve got ghosted. By Oklahoma, yes, Texas. They yes, didn't they show did. up to the meeting after the news broke. 
This is a they perfect parallel. This is a perfect they parallel. They did. They, yeah. They did. They yeah. found out that they were being cheated on, you know, and then didn't yeah. show up for accountability, got ghosted, ghosted the Big 12, and we move on. So And they don't feel bad. This isn't this isn't like this isn't like like you got cheated and the person's like, I'm sorry. This is got cheated on the person's like, my life's better now. <laughs> this is like when you go on Instagram and you know, obviously the best revenge is living well and you're just yes. living it up. You're on a friend's yacht, being like, yes. I am doing great with my new boyfriend on a super yacht. Look, look at my hair, it's longer. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Bingo. Uh, uh, well, this is a, we can continue on down that path, but we'll save that for another time. Um, before we get to last call, just one bit of news that broke on Monday, LSU quarterback, Miles Brennan suffered a left arm injury requires surgery. And the timeline is TBD on when he's coming back. So that's obviously big impact on the LSU quarterback room. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Max Johnson's going to be the guy now and they TJ Finley's not there anymore anymore. Like this is the, this is going to be a roller coaster for LSU this year. It's going to be a roller coaster. Well, after the roller coaster of last season, the fans are probably ready. Um, yeah. We'll get into some of these. Te- we're going to start going from now that, you know, we're, we're in the preseason, fall camps are underway. We're going to get into some team by team specific previews in the coming weeks of Power Hour. But there's been so much news. We haven't had time to get to that yet. Um, Felder, before we go, it is time for Last Call, which for anyone who is new to this show is a rant or a rave. It's something you would say to your buddies at two in the morning at a bar with the last call. It can be something you love and you want to gush about. It can be something that makes you mad and you need to rant about. And Felder, take it away. Yeah, mine. I'm going to listen. I'm going to go back to the top of the show with uh, the, uh, the Quinn. Uh, this is a in for me, I guess the question is. Is Texas going to let themselves fall? Texas is the king of high school football. And I know that Georgia and Ohio and Florida and everybody in California, they all view themselves as the top of the charts for high school football. But Texas is the only place that has like 30,000 seat high school football stadiums and weight rooms that are better than a lot of D1 schools. That's Texas. And to see one of their best players take off and go, I think that's going to be a very, like my last call is, you don't often pose a question at last call but I'm going to pose one now. And this is into the night, standing on a chair, surveying the entire bar. You've got your last shot of Jaeger in your hand and you're looking at them and you're saying, how do we do this? How do we do this? Because they're going to have to answer, answer that question about, are we ready to rock and roll? And I guess that's the, the question is, are we ready to rock and roll? And that's going to, see the weight that high school football has on that state. It's going to see the pressure pressure football coaches can put on the legislature. It's going to be all those things, but it's going to be, are we ready to rock and roll? And we're going to find out, I think pretty soon, the next time that that Senate's in session, if they introduce new rules that allow for NIL, because the idea of their best players leaving, leaving the state, whether it's leaving the state in high school to go play somewhere that they can profit from their own NIL or leaving the way that yours is leaving, there's no way that those coaches are willing to allow the erosion. And then for going further, we just did that. What was it? The recruiting, recruiting confidence. And 
are those coaches willing to recognize that, oh, the star, the stars of the show are the actual stars on the field? Well, they are not ready to recognize that. We know that. (laughs) We know. We know the egos of those high school coaches. And I think that's going to be really interesting to see how that all works. And that's 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 my call, because we are set to see chaos and not chaos in terms of how do we handle this or how do we do that? But like an ego check and what is more important, your ego or the actual overall sport and the overall health of Texas high school football, which is a is an institution, an institution that I think every college coach, every college fan understands and respects. My last call is inspired by our conversation we were just having. It is about the U-up text in the first place. Listen, I, I think that it has this image in pop culture that it's cute. <laughs> it is incredibly annoying. First of all, someone who is now old, try to go to bed at a reasonable hour. So no, I'm not up. That's the, the first and main point I would like to make. But second of all, listen, I get it. There's a lot of, you know, there's, there's a lot of implied messaging in that message. Because if you ask someone if they're up and then they're like, yeah, well, the, what needs to be said, right? Because you're responding at whatever hour this is. So I, I just think the way that we talk about this, this message, like I'm pretty sure Betches or somebody has a podcast that's called like the You Up Pod. Everyone's acting like it's this cute thing to send someone, but it's not. It's loaded. It's annoying. And like what's really going to happen is that person's going to wake up in the morning at like 8 a.m. and see that they have a message from you at like two in the morning saying that and you're not going to be able to recover from that. (laughs) Yeah. So they're just saying I'm ranting. My last call is a rant about the you up text. I think it sounds cuter than it actually is and is incredibly annoying. At least it's not a phone call. That would be the only thing that's worse. But let people sleep. Don't bother them. Don't put yourself in an awkward position in the morning. Bang. (laughs) (laughs) Now I'm going to be thinking about this the whole rest of the day. But (laughs) seriously, we'll be back for more football. We are going to do biggest questions facing a bunch of different programs. I think we're going to start with the playoff teams, expected playoff teams and contenders. Dive into all that starting next week on Power Hour. So on behalf of Felder, I'm Nicole Auerbach. Thank you for listening to Power Hour. If you're not already an Athletic subscriber, you can sign up at theathletic.com slash Nicole. Andy Staples, Ari Wasserman will be back usual later this week, and we will be back next Tuesday for the next episode of Power Hour. Thank you for listening.